Hey guys, what's goody? Thanks for joining me for another episode of What's Goody with Blue Jay. I'm Blue Jay and I drop podcasts now every Saturday. I gotta change that on my banner. I'm gonna drop them Saturday instead. It just works with my schedule a little bit better. So stay tuned. Make sure that you listen on Saturdays. All right. Um, today's episode I'm really, really excited about. It's about um well, let me just give you the backstory. I mean, okay, I'll say what it's about. It's about Sueta. Am I saying it right? Sueta and Malia in Africa. And if any one of you already knows those places, big um, pat on the back for you. All right. So um, I'll just give you the backstory why I'm interested in this topic. And I know I'm being a little elusive, but... Um, recently I was doing some research on Africa. Um, I don't know if you guys know this about me yet, but I like research. Um, I like history. I wanted to know what's going on in North Africa in particular because of the whole Libyan slavery story that broke. And upon researching, I discovered that Spain had two territories in Morocco. I was shocked um, because I love the idea of Spain. I love the Spanish guitar. It's one of my um, travel destinations, places that I want to go to. I want to visit Barcelona and the capital, Madrid. Um, so when I first heard, my first thought when I first heard that Spain had two territories and they're autonomous um, in Africa, I was obviously floored because... I wouldn't say floored. I was upset because Spain, I I really want to visit Spain. It's like one of those places that I, you know, romanticize. And my thought is, what the hell are you doing in Africa? Get out. Um, I am the type of person that cares about black people. Um... I obviously think our history in America is not told right, um, inaccurate in many, many instances. And it's just so racist here and other places that I really do stand up for my peeps. So I was angry. Um, So the territories that they own, like I said, are Sueta and Malia. Um, I believe they also own the Canary Islands. And they own a rock called, and I'm going to butcher this name, Peñón de Vélez de la Gomera, which is located in the Mediterranean Sea connected to the Moroccan shore. The Canary Islands is said to, um, may have been inhabited by, their indigenous group may be a group called Guanachos, (laughs) Guanachos, G-U-A-N-C-H-E-S. Um, And they shared the same origin as the Berber people, black Africans from North Africa. And I think the Berber came from like sub-Saharan countries as well. I I believe they moved up north. Um, So the Canary Islands may have also been home to the Phoenicians and their descendants are the Carthaginians and Greeks. Um, uh, Malia and Sueta are located at the northern tip of Morocco along the Mediterranean coast. Um, so a little backstory, um, historians know that Spain was inhibited by the 
the Celts on the eastern side and the Iberians on the west side and the Turditini or Turditani on the south. Um, so that's kind of as far back as most historical records go. I mean, people do have ideas of, you know, where how those people got there. But most of the information sort of starts with, okay, the, the Celts were on the east side and the Iberians were on the west side. Um, so the Phoenicians from Syria, Israel, and that area set up trading ports with Greece because they're close. They're opposite of each other, practically. Um, and so the Phoenicians' descendants, the Carthaginians, set up trade cities in North Africa all the way to the south of Spain. Um, I believe the Phoenicians were in Spain before them. The Carthaginians eventually um, came into conflict with Rome because they were expanding their empire as well. So this resulted in the Punic Wars, which were three separate wars. And um, by the end of the Third Punic War, which was 149-146 BC, uh, after more than 100 years and the loss of many hundreds of thousands of soldiers from both sides, Rome had conquered the Carthaginians' empire, completely destroyed the city, and became the most powerful state of the Western Mediterranean. So after this, Spain became Romanized due to immigration from peoples all over the Roman Empire. The law, language, and religion became infused with the society and culture. In the 5th century, Germanic and nomadic ruled over Spain for a while. They were then overruled by the Visigoths. By 624, the Muslims from Saudi Arabia and the birth of Islam was spreading across North Africa um, because the Arabs (laughs) came into North Africa. Um... They came there to spread their Islam religion as a jihad. Um, I believe one of the Arabs, I don't want to say like one, but I believe this, this may how, this may, uh, I don't think so now that I think about it. But um, what I was saying is that one of the Arabs informed Berbers that the Europeans in Spain were all over. I didn't really get a distinction that they're easy to conquer. In 711, I believe in July, Berber soldiers took over most of Spain. Um, So North Africa and Spain. Spain is like so close (laughs) to uh, North Africa. Um, So they so it's it's not much to like go to Spain and conquer it. And I may believe that the Africans may have um, inhibited uh, Spain before. Uh, European people or white people. Um, so, do, 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 do. so in seventeen eleven, uh, I'm sorry, in seven eleven, Berber soldiers took over most of Spain. Um, I think there were about eight thousand soldiers that took over Spain. Um, the Berber and the Moors, who may have already been in Europe, captured Spain. The Berbers were Black Africans. The Moors are Black Africans and Arabs. The term Moor or Moors has no real ethnological value medieval and early modern europeans variously applied the name to arabs so if you saw an arab in those times you would call him a moor um if you saw perhaps like um a light-skinned brown-skinned african man you might call him a moor as well um so 
Uh, the Africans and Arabs were Muslim and Spain became a Muslim territory. So you were having Islam um, birthed in Macedonia and then uh, the Arabs coming into North Africa. Um, I don't know if it was like a conquering of North Africa, but they definitely, um, I would say, settled there, colonized there, perhaps. I'm not too, too sure on that history. Um, and by the way, I do love history, but obviously I'm not a historian. I would love to be. It's one of the things that I aspire. Hopefully I'll be on my journey. Um, but I don't know everything about history. Um, so I'm giving you a very general, well, I'm giving you a general sense with some detail. Um, so continuing on. So, so Spain became this Muslim or yeah, the whole of Spain became this Muslim sort of territory and it reached all the way up right before France and and probably right before, uh, Northern Spain. Um, so that's still a pretty big chunk of land. So in the 800s to 1492, Spanish Christian, uh, Spanish Christians fought against the Muslim occupancy. So religion, as you guys know, was so crazy back then as it is now, but even crazier. I mean, in the name of religion, there's so much bloodshed. Um, so the Spanish Christians were not trying to have some Muslims up in Spain. I don't think so. So, um, they saw Muslims as different in culture and religion and, uh, there might, there may not have been much integration of the two. However, I am skeptical of this because of the many paintings featuring Moors and whites. Um, I believe whites were slaves to the Moor people at one point. I'm, I'm not sure how long. I'm not sure how that happened. Another thing with history, sometimes you have to like really research and research and find the information because sometimes there's not a lot of information out there unless you know how to look for it. Um, so in 1492, Spain is free. So in what was called the Reconquista do, do Badil, the black Muslim general of the last city to to be conquered during the Reconquista, which is Granada, is defeated and hands the key to the city to the king and queen of Spain, uh, Ferdinand and Isabella. Um, the Moors living there and in Portugal went back to Africa, North Africa. During their occupation there, the Muslims built education centers and public baths. The Europeans were not very um, high, uh, clean. They weren't very clean. Um, I lost the word for a second. Hi, I lost the word. I can't think of the word. Hygienic? I can't, I can't. Hygienic. They weren't very hygienic. I'm sorry, guys. Um, okay. So as part of the Reconquista in 1492, Spain took over two areas in Morocco, Sueta Malia. They still control these territories today. Madrid, the capital of Spain, refuses to give up these territories, Some agree that these cities were never Moroccan, while that may, I don't even want to say that, look, I I don't know who was there first, okay? I'm going to just go ahead and say it was black people that was there first. It just makes sense, Um, especially if you believe that we all came from Africa, like it it just, it makes sense. Um, So some people think that... (laughs) The city was just nobody. It was just a free-for-all for Spain. And they have 100% rights to it, which is completely completely in Africa, uh, inaccurate. 
Um, the cities, in my opinion, should not be a part of Spain. They are in African mainland and should be released to the Moroccans. It's in their land, bruh. Like, you're literally like, how is the whole of Morocco going to be Morocco? But, like, no, it's it's their land. It's just like uh, the UK has this territory in Spain as well, and I'm sure they don't like that. So what makes you think these Moroccans want you guys on their land? They don't. It belongs to them, rightfully so, I believe, because the f- <laughs> that's their country now. The land is in their country. It's like you can't have a whole country in the middle of it have another country. Like, that makes no sense. And to the northwest, east, and south, it's that country. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Um, And it was black people's land, so I give it back to them. I think they really need to let it go. I think one of the reasons... I was trying to look up reasons as to why they still want it, because in, like, the 1950s, 1960s, when a lot of African nations were becoming independent and um their cruel colonizers were leaving them be um it it was sort of like well we give up now this is not very lucrative for us right now um spain held on to those two territories and i think part of the reason i well i don't know much about i don't know if it's the reason for back then but now it sort of acts as this buffer to europe so in Libya, you heard about um, people from the sub-Saharan uh, countries and even the North Africa, the Sahara, um, countries in the Sahara Desert upwards, wanting to leave because there's been war. I heard about the Boko Haram, which is, and I don't know much about it, but basically Muslims and Christians fighting. And so when you're in a war, things like uh, cities get destroyed buildings get blown up so who nobody wants like living in a war zone is not like conducive for like mental growth and like just you know life expectancy and shit so people are just leaving they want to leave and they're the most popular route is crossing the mediterranean via uh, libya's ports um and getting over to italy the less popular route because it's not um covered so much is going to Sueta or Melilla and crossing the Mediterranean from there um so um so Spain has built uh these borders I think one is four meters high another six meters high and they're one of them is quite elaborate I must say it's quite the booby trap um but they have these tall borders and <laughs> they have um, barbed wires up top. Um, so it's really hard, obviously, for people to jump a border, right? It's completely dangerous. And you the chances of you actually getting over to the country and, and being in the mainland is, is rare. Um, so what some Africans are doing is they're setting up these sort of like camps sites in the mountains of Morocco, different places in Morocco, they'll strategically decide where because often these camps get raided. Um, So they'll decide where they'll station. And some people even stay there for years because they do have to strategize how are they going to, um, how are they going to successfully jump this border without being caught by the police, without any sort of real 
um, surveillance. So, so what they'll do is they'll come together, strategize, um, form a large group. So they'll have to wait for people to actually get to these camps and, and up to like a hundred, I don't know if there's been more, but there's this one report in 2014, I believe it was where, and they've probably been doing this hundreds, um, or up to a hundred, um, Africans just jump the, the fence at once. So it's sort of, if you have this, this mass of people jumping the border, chances are more will get through than if you did so individually. And it's the whole saying two is better than one, right? Or you can defeat people in larger numbers instead of just by yourself or in a small group. So that's the idea of all of them going to jump the border themselves. So if they actually don't get beat up or killed um, when they cross over to Sueta or Malia, then they have to run 100 meters in order to go to like this sort of immigration safe house. I don't know the correct term for it, but it's not an immigration office, but just this place where they sort of hold them. So this holding is a detention, right? So sometimes people are staying there for years. And so while they're staying there, they're not able to do anything. They're idle. So they're not able to make a living. Um, They're not able to do much at all for themselves. So it's sort of, it's a very desperate situation. Um, So some people actually are granted permission to go into the mainland. And and that's the goal, right? So some of these migrants, um, they don't even want to stay necessarily in these European countries. They want to make some money and then bounce. I strongly believe, and there are some people doing some good work, and because, I mean, with trying to jump a border, go into another country illegally, there's going to be people drowning, there's going to be deaths. I think this man, and I forget if it was in uh, Malia or Sueta, but he was on a beach and he saw just like 12, a dozen or dozens of Africans just dead, like washed up on the shore their corpse and this totally like you know you hear about things in the media but when you see it firsthand you do feel compelled to do something about it so it's this is like uh he does a he created a volunteer network where they um what do they do exactly i i watched a snippet of it but they help oh this is what they do they uh raise money and give it to those migrants respective countries so if they're coming from nigeria they'll give the nigerian government some money because the whole situation is you're moving out of this place because it's just so horrible so instead of leaving your country you should try and build it up that's obviously easier said than done right but you know i believe the same thing it's hard. Of course, you want to go somewhere else for a better opportunity, for a better life, to live your life, just to live in the physical sense, you know, and that's a real threat and a real thing that they have to face. Hopefully, there'll be some way where they can stay in their country and build it up because there's so many natural resources in Africa. I mean, African Africa has been torn apart by these European invaders, Um. Asian invaders even still 
and just ripping the whole country of its natural resources. I mean, America's right there sucking up that oil. Hey, um, I don't know if it's the Chinese government, but it's an, an Asian government smuggling um, ivory, killing off the elephants. Like, honestly, it's really, really, really sad. Not to say that Africa is this poor country that's just so destitute. Like, no, that's not the case. But, however, I mean, I can't speak much about it because, I one, I haven't been there. I hope to go one day. Um, but I, I don't know the history as well as I would like to. I do have some, um, I wouldn't say expertise, but I have some knowledge on West African art history. That's, um, I don't, you guys probably know, but I'm a huge art person. I love art. I'm the type of person that'll, I find going to art museums and galleries and openings much more exciting than like going out with like girlfriends to a club or anything to eat. Like, you know what I mean? Um, so I don't know the country. I'm sorry, the continent uh, the country is that well to speak on exactly uh, where has some wealth and where doesn't because the media always says Africa's you know they don't got nothing um, I know in South Africa it's beautiful right but duh it's South Africa um so yeah that's about it today I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation um let me know if you guys know of any like sort of weird bound uh borders things that don't belong um yeah so until next time hope you guys have a great week wish me a good week as well please i need it (laughs) all right till next time hey guys so i just want to talk about the grammy nominations the grammys are going to be airing on the 28th which is sunday I think it's on CBS. Um, So I just wanted to go over R&B. I think I might do some rap. But so for best R&B performance, you have uh, Get You, Daniel Caesar featuring Kali, Uchis, Distraction, Kalani, Hi, Let Us See, That's What I Like, Bruno Mars, The Weeknd, SZA. Um, Best R&B performance, I think, should go to... I'm going to go ahead. I... Probably Bruno Mars is going to win it. That's what I like was a huge song. SZA, The Weeknd was a huge song, but not as huge as Bruno Mars, even though The um, the Weeknd kind of came out a little later. I personally, out of this list, a feel-good song, like a good like lyrical content substance is Daniel Caesar's Get You. But I also really like Kalani's Distraction. It's like, day, 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 day. It's like, I, you know, it's like fun. Um, so I would say Bruno Mars is going to win, but I want Daniel Caesar to win. Um, best traditional R&B performance is, um, the Baylor Project, Laugh and Move On, Redbone, Childish Gambino, What I'm Feeling, Anthony Hamilton featuring the Hamiltones, All the Way, Let Us See, Still Molly Music. Out of all this, and I've listened to most of these songs except for Let Us See's All the Way. I really like What I'm Feeling by Anthony Hamilton featuring the Hamiltones. I mean, he's just so soulful. <laughs> I, I like that song. I hope that wins. I do like Redbone also, although it is a, a rip off of a song. It's like so similar. 
either way, it's a good song. Um, but I'm going to go with who's going to win? Who's going to win? Uh, Travis Gambino is going to win, but I would like Anthony Hamilton to win. Um, best R&B song. Um, first, Began, PJ Morton. Location by Khalid, Redbone, Childish Gambino, Supermodel SZA, That's What I Like by Bruno Mars. Um, okay, who's going to win? Who's going to win? Bruno Mars is definitely... You know what? SZA might... Okay, okay, it's between... Um, actually, I think Khalid might win. I think Location. I, I mean, all the, like, the young kids like Location and all the hipsters like Location. So I think Location... Um, could contest with uh, either Redbone, Supermodel, or That's What I Like. So I'm going to go ahead and say that's what I like between location. Who do I want to win? I don't think I care in this category. I'm going to go ahead with Khalid, location. Um, best Urban Contemporary Album, Free Slack. Is that how you say his name? Six Six Slack. That was annoying that he did that. Six Slack. Um, for... Six Lack, Free Six Lack by Six Lack. Is that freer than I've ever been? Um, Awaken My Love. Oh, this is album. Okay, okay. Um, Awaken My Love, Childish Gambino, American Teen, Khalid, Control, SZA, Starboy, The Weeknd. I haven't listened to Starboy. The Weeknd is not somebody that interests me. His whole new pop R&B wave is not my thing. I was feeling him when he was like um, doing um often often like that era his beginnings when is when i was feeling him control is i haven't listened to all the songs on control but i feel like the album is good a lot of people are saying that it's good so i'm gonna go ahead and co-sign that because i've heard a few songs and i, and I think they're great um american teen i haven't heard that uh, although I do want to listen to it, but you know, Kali location is nice and it's a very hipsterish. But I, uh, nothing draws me to like want to listen to it. But I do want to check it out. Um, I haven't listened to all of Childish Gambino's "Awaken My Love." I, and I've I can't say this because I've never done this, but I don't think I can take Childish Gambino or whatever his name is. I can only take him in small dosage dosages. I don't think I could take like an album from him. I don't. He just. I'm, he's obviously talented, but I'm just not feeling it. I'm going to go ahead with Free Six Lack. I hate this Free Six Lack. Slack. I'm going to call him Slack. <laughs> he looked like he'd be slacking, but this album is not slacking. This album is great. A few of the songs towards the end are a little monotone to me, but he definitely keeps it consistent. I think it was a, a sort of, um, what do you call it? Like the whole album uh, made sense you know, songs were like all over the place. It was cohesive is what I was trying to say. And I really, really like it. Really, really like it. I hope he wins. Um, do I think he's going to win? I think The Weeknd is going to win because, you know, <laughs> it's not only black folks voting. Um, best R&B album, um, Freudian, Daniel Caesar, Let Love Rule, Let Us See, 24K Magic, Bruno Mars, Gumbo, PJ Morton, Feel the Real Music, Soul Child. Now, Music Soul Child, I used to love. I haven't really listened to his music lately. I do know he was doing his rap thing <laughs> for a while, which is really weird and awkward. Um, but Feel the Real, I haven't listened to it. I think I listened to the, uh, like the album song, the self 
um, the Feel the Real uh, title song, and it's it's okay. Like Gumbo, not interested at all. 24K Magic, it's too um, Jerome Rome. <laughs> it's too like Jerome Rome. Like, come on. Like, I'm good. Um, let Love Rule, Let Us See, Haven't Heard It. 40. I'm going to go with Daniel Caesar, Freudian. I hope that wins. And it, it, probably Bruno Mars is going to win. Shoot. I hope he loses one thing from for somebody else. Because he can't be winning all this R&B shit. Because there's some other really good, talented songs and albums on here. But I feel with his popularity, he might just swoop it all. I don't want that. All right. rap Best rap performance. Bounce back. <laughs> I just... That song is so stupid. Bodak Yellow, another stupid song. 444, Jay-Z, great song. Humble, Kendrick Lamar. Ugh. Indifferent, Bad and Bougie. Indifferent. Bad and Bougie is a party song. It's a club song like Bad and Bougie. It's simple. It's nothing. If anything, it's the uh, instrumental, the beat that should be winning this award. Humble, I'm not a fan of Humble. I'm not the biggest fan of Kendrick Lamar. Jay-Z, I'm a huge Jay-Z fan. Bodak Yellow. I think Cardi B is actually going to win. She had a great year. I mean, she was killing it. Like she, I think she had like four singles on top 10 or some shit like that, like, or Hot 100. She's killing it. So I think, I think the people's champ is going to win. Who do I want to win? Jay-Z44, of course. Uh, best rap song performance. Uh, problem Six Slack. Six six lakh <laughs> crew gold like all oh, this is hard golding featuring Brent Fayez and Shy Glizzy Family Feud Jay Z featuring Beyonce loyalty 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 featuring Riri Love Galore SZA oh my God this is hard this is a hard one <laughs> okay let me tell you what can get out of here I love you Jay Z but you can get out of here oh loyalty you can get out of here it's between problems crew and love galore oh my god i've been listening to love galore a lot like like it's a really good song i need i need like when they come in with that i need i need travis guys he's talented um problems is also very good Mm, like i really really like problems um, although it's like a half ah, boy song, uh, crew was great. A lot of people were saying that this eventually took up steam, but I was playing this when it first came out, not to toot my own horn, but this song, I realized that it was a, a hit for like first time I heard it. Um, so who's going to win? Who's going to win? You know what? I actually, oh freak. Kendrick Lamar might win. I don't know what other categories he's nominated. Probably best album, so he might not win this. I'm gonna go ahead and say it's it's between. Oh, what else is SZA in? Best new artist. Okay, so I think Six Lack will get this, and I want him to get this. I won't be mad if Crew gets it because that song was really really good. So I'm gonna go for it's gonna be either Problems or Crew that gets it. I wouldn't be mad if SZA got it either, but I really think Six Lacks should get it. Or maybe he should get that other category. Album, yeah, he should get album. And Crew, Crew should win this, and I hope it does. And I hope Kendrick Lamar doesn't, come on. Uh, Best Rap Song, Bodak Yellow, Chase Me by Danger Mouse featuring Run the Jewels and Big Boy. Humble, Sassy, The Story of OJ. Okay, you guys know how I feel about the story of OJ. I did a, a whole podcast on it. 
So I'm definitely going to say the story of OJ. Like, it's a great song. A lot of people are saying Sassy uh, Rhapsody is really talented and she's really good and she can flow probably better than most of these guys. I haven't listened to her whole album, but I don't. Sassy's not my cup of tea. And I'm not saying she's not talented because I, I watched the video. I like the vibe of the video. Um, I liked her. Uh, she seemed relatable, um, confident, all of those things. But Sassy just wasn't my cup of tea personally. But not to take away from it, I it's probably great work to, to someone. You know, I could see why someone would say it's great work, but it's just not my cup of tea. So I think, oh, Bodak Yell, if they if she doesn't win, she's gonna win best performance because that's her whole sort of thing, right? She's kind of like this spectacle. Um, so best rap song, I really think it's either gonna be Humble or the story of OJ. I hope it's the story of OJ um best rap album jay-z 44 for damn kendrick lamar culture amigos layla's wisdom rhapsody flower boy tyler creator first of all 100 percent, i did not listen to flower boy <laughs> no i listened to it for like a second i was like no 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 so no why is that even on there like the songs weren't good they weren't of quality why is that on there Anyways, Rhapsody, I didn't hear that. Can't really comment. Culture Migos, didn't hear that, but I could already tell you that. Gotta get out of here um, because the lack of substance. I like substance. Damn, Kendrick Lamar. Okay. Ooh, okay, so uh, Kendrick Lamar is definitely going to win this one or Jay-Z. I'm leaning more towards Kendrick Lamar is going to win this one. Who do I want to win this one? Jay-Z, 444. And that's it. All right, guys. Peace out.